It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Multiple ways you can... Interact with us here on the program, 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the bye week has arrived. Joe Judge spoke to the media the other day. We'll recap some of the highlights from that. Jeff and I will also give our takeaways from the Raiders game. I know there was a full recap on yesterday's program, but we'll at least piggyback off of some of that and also open up the lines as we move along here over the next 60 minutes. Jeff, how's everything on your end today? Good, Lance. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. It's nice that we also get to enjoy somewhat of a bye week, too. Oh, we do. That's the yeah. positive when the Giants get a breather smack in the middle of the season. And certainly they're going in with some momentum, having knocked off the Las Vegas Raiders 23-16. Before we get into the game, though, Jeff, I want to highlight some of the things that Joe Judge talked about. And okay. obviously the team is practicing right now. Not obviously a full heavy practice, but they're trying to get some of the guys going who at least are battling injuries to build them up slowly for perhaps their return against Tampa Bay. When Joe Judge spoke to the media the other day, he said that he was hopeful that Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas could return for the Tampa Bay game based on reports. Barkley still doing some stuff on the side with the training staff as well as Andrew Thomas. Not that today is an indicator of what's going to happen 13 days from now, but the goal would be you would hope with no game this weekend and then an additional week that the chances will increase to perhaps have the offense at least near 100% for that Tampa Bay game. Yeah, I think I think Andrew Thomas coming back to me is a is a big plus if we can get if the Giants can get him back. Um, and then, you know, when you look at all the weapons around this offense and kind of what we talked about coming into the season, I think this could be great. I, I think that the opposing defense is going to have to kind of, you know, they haven't had to look at any tape with all of these guys on the roster at one time playing. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how they develop a game plan around. If that's true, that they're all back, it should be good. And I think if you're Daniel Jones. You get your starting left tackle back. You get your starting running back. You maybe a couple of your wide receivers are are full go, and um, you've got an uh, Kadarius Tony who's coming off of an injury but's playing through it. That will be healthy. I mean, that makes me feel good. And so I think that Jason Garrett too. I think he's probably sitting there going, "Wow, finally, I'm going to get some guys back that I can open up my playbook to something that I prepared in the off season for all of these guys to be around." Now, listen, I, I know that injuries happen, and every offensive coordinator doesn't have the luxury of having all 11 starters with him all the season. But this has been pretty tough go. I mean, so it'll be nice to see them back in the lineup. Well, plus timing is everything. You're going to be going up against the number one scoring offense in the NFL coming out of the bye. The Bucks are averaging, Jeff, just below 33 points a game. So mm-hmm. if there was any time to pretty much have all of your weapons at Daniel Jones's disposal, it yeah. would certainly be for that Monday night game because I think even this last game was the prime example of you got closer to complementary football where mm-hmm. the defense complemented the offense and vice versa, and special teams came through, of course, with Graham Gano. But even with that being said, Jeff, 
the offense still only manufactured 16 points in Sunday's win. Mm -hmm. So if the defense, let's say, doesn't give you a defensive score, which obviously does not happen. That was the first time that that happened this season when Xavier McKinney had a pick six off of Derek Carr. Can you, with confidence, get into the 20s, maybe scratch the surface of the 30s, something they have not been able to do consistently? Well, I mean, it, it's hard to say because <laughs> they sure. haven't done it. Um, well, but I, I, I think that when you – uh, when you have all of your players at your disposal, I think that there's probably a better chance of play design. And, and, and But, you know, here's the thing. It, when the team gets down into the red zone and you move the football um, and all the play designs are this and that, you still have to execute and you still have to protect the football. I think the bottom line here for this Giants team, no matter what, is that you have to continue to uh, really learn. you got to run the football. And I think last year, or excuse me, last week with Booker, I think that they came into that game knowing that that was going to be their game plan. I mean, I, I've been around football a long time. It's, I haven't seen that type of a game plan, I don't know if I ever have, where the wide receivers didn't have as many. They, I mean, they were the last in targets. I mean, come on. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. But they stuck with it. The offensive line, and I think Nate Solder had his best game of the season, um, was kind of a road grader out there and really creating some good holes and, and good matchups to be able to block for, the, for Booker. So get the running game going. And they certainly did that last week. And I think with Saquon coming back, you know, I think that in every, every team's got to have a couple running backs, Lance. You know that because of the way that injuries go. But just by play design, you got some, you know, Saquon's more of a guy that's going to make you some big plays. But you saw what uh, Devontae Booker can do, and he can get up and down the field and hit those holes quick and run north and south and get you 100 yards. Very productive the last two games. It wasn't yeah. just the Las Vegas game, right? He had a yeah. really good performance against Kansas City. We're talking about back-to-back -back games over 100 scrimmage yards, so doing a little bit of everything. I think it probably was a little bit more impressive in terms of what he was able to do on the ground in this game, more so than the Kansas City game, where I would argue I think he did more damage as a receiver. But, yeah, very unique when you have a game in which your wide receiver core accounts for three receptions, and that's it. <laughs> Plus, a game in which your quarterback only threw for 110 yards. But the reason why, Jeff, they were able to get away with that was – Yes, the rushing attack overall, but I also thought the efficiency of being able to run the ball on first and second down to set up manageable third downs where you don't have to pass. You could actually run the ball when you're facing a third and one or a third and two or even a third and four. And that luxury hasn't been presented their way. So it wasn't just to me the volume of the runs. It was when they came and how they set up a lot of manageable third downs. They had, I was crunching the numbers, Jeff, they had 16 runs for five yards or more. Now, five yards as a run is not considered an explosive play. And I'm not trying to sell it that way, but when you have that high volume of five-yard runs, that means you're constantly getting positive yardage. And just to put that in perspective, the last time they had that many runs for just five yards, Jeff, was week 11, 2018. Hmm. So just think about how many seasons have gone by since they had that productive of a rushing attack where we're not asking them to run for 10, 15 yards a pop, but just get into manageable second and third downs because you can, without any hesitation, get those four to five yard runs. So that's what jumped out to me in terms yeah. of the efficiency of the run game. No, the 100%. I, and I think that, you know, the basis behind your offense is that you have to be able to run the football no matter who you are. And, you know, when this Giants team can do that. Now, here's the other thing. When you're able to run the football consistently, 
that you now are able to do different things on first down. You can play action on first down and throw the ball down the field when your receivers are included in the play in the game plan. But my point is, what you're saying is absolutely true. If you can start running the football and being able to get positive yards, a second and five, man, you got you're opening all the pages now. Um, you can still run the football, bring up a third and one, third and two, if you only get three or four yards. But it just becomes a little bit more easier for the quarterback to get in and out of plays at a third and or second and five, you know. So I think that is a big thing, and I, I really believe that once this team can consistently run the football, this is when you're going to see they're they're going to start scoring more points because the creativity can it can flourish down there inside the red zone, especially the short red zone, and that's where if you can run the football, you can open up a lot of different things with play action. You can do all kinds of other routes and things that will help you win down in the red zone because certainly the defense is doing their job in the red zone as of last week. I mean, the the yeah. Raiders were very, very one of the top teams in the National Football League scoring touchdowns, and they, they completely shut them down. So that's a good sign. Well, and I think that's been a trend. I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because really when the Carolina game happened, I think the big question was, was that a product of facing Sam Darnold in a Panthers offense that sure. didn't have Christian McCaffrey right and was struggling? Okay, so then they go up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Did a pretty good job, right, mm-hmm. in terms of limiting explosive offense. Okay, now your next challenge. You got Derek Carr and a Raiders offense that mm-hmm. also, to your point, right, was able to put points on the board. Three straight weeks where these are the red zone numbers for those three teams combined. Three touchdowns in 13 trips in the red zone. That's a 23% conversion That's pretty rate. pretty good. Right? And then it gets better. Look at the third down inefficiency for the opponents. Carolina was 2 of 15. Kansas City 4 of 12. Las Vegas 4 of 12. 10 of 39 combined. 26% conversion rate. Those are two areas, Jeff, that we were talking about mm. leading up to this three-game stretch that the Giants had struggled with, right? Couldn't get off the field on third down, yeah. and more yeah. often than not, right, opponents were punching it in, especially late in halves. Well, last three games, they've done a really good job cleaning that up, and the other thing is they have not allowed a second-half touchdown during this three-game stretch. They've only allowed three field goals. So, The defense, they're doing everything possible to keep the team in games. Mm -hmm. Now it's a matter of can the offense pick it up a little bit in terms of the efficiency of walking away with touchdowns. That, to me, is the major question now as we enter the second half of the season. Gives yourself a chance. Um, you know, and, and if you can introduce that complimentary football phase that we talk about all the time, I, you got a chance. And, you know, when we looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you know, this was a murderer's row for the Giants at the beginning of the season. And it was it's tough. And obviously it showed. But, you know, the second half of the season, that's why you're dead smack in the middle, really, with this bye. I think it comes at a great time for the Giants. Um, and looking ahead, if you can get your defense to, to put up those numbers like you just said. Remember this, going into the Kansas City game, they hadn't allowed a touchdown in the first quarter for the whole season. Um, yep. So I think But that now they, they've allowed one in back-to-back games. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, Buck, that, that's, that's gone. But my point is that they were, they were pretty tough in the first quarter, and now they're, they're toughing up in, this, in the second half, which really I'd rather have the latter of the two if it came down to that. But I think that this team – and getting healthy, the defense is playing the way they are now. So, you know, why why is the defense playing better? Um, you know, does anybody know? And all I can equate it to is that I think that when um, Martinez went out of the lineup, I think it really it really hurt the defense, and not only. 
by him being out and miss you know no more tackles from that position like like he's done in the past but I think just the leadership and what I mean by leadership is a guy that really understands the defense is a smart guy gets guys lined up and not only that he makes plays I think it took him a little while to kind of get used to him not being there and then I feel like the best the best thing is that the big time players are starting to make plays and they're playing like they're they're supposed to, that they're getting paid for. And I think that makes a big difference. Now, the flip side of the, on the offense is that let's get, you know, if they can get some continuity with guys consistently in the, in the lineup and, and Daniel Jones has a chance. I think with him growing up, if you will, I think you see the maturation in Daniel Jones from the end of last season up to this point as far as his you know, protecting the football. Listen, every quarterback is going to fumble the football and throw interceptions. You just hope it's not at a, a high rate that you're in trouble. But he's, he's proved that he can do that, and I think that he's getting better. And I think this, with all the, all the complementary parts of this offense put together, this team could have a chance the second half. Although, Lance, we all know that just because you have everything – doesn't mean that you're going to go out and win automatically on Sunday if you dumb if you just do dumb penalties and you have sure. lack of execution and those are the things you have to look back on because that's what they're looking back at right now. This bye week is all about that. It's self scouting, going back and look at each individual player. You as a player have to go back and look at your production and look at some of the things that you have to do to to improve. And um, I was just reading that you know at practice. The older players are kind of doing the training stuff, and the younger players are, are over there working on plays and doing things like that fundamental-wise. So there's a lot that goes into this bye week, and um, you know, coming out of it is just as important. Because you don't want this three-game stretch to just be a flash. You don't you, want it to just evaporate and forget exactly. about how you got there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want to be able to pick up where you left off, and hopefully the return of some of those players we were talking about earlier could help maybe give the offense a boost. Because as we're seeing in the National Football League, and not to get completely off topic, but one of the biggest takeaways overall, Jeff, from Week 9 was think about how many upsets right there were across the NFL. You had the Jaguars beat the Bills. Buffalo only scored six points. The Broncos beat up the Cowboys. So, you know, it just goes to show you, you can analyze a game, and we do this every week, right, when we prepare prepare for the Giants games and you know you designate weaknesses and strengths of the opposition and sometimes the script goes the complete opposite way which is more of a reason why I don't like having the conversation I know a lot of people are starting to look at the second half schedule and they're saying to themselves well the record of the teams combined is not overwhelming well I hate to break this to you Jeff <laughs> those teams are thinking the same thing about the Giants okay yeah. the yeah. Giants are only three and six so mm -hmm. when they look at their second half record they're also saying well you know maybe we don't have that big of a challenge either it truly goes both ways <laughs> yeah, you can't psychology. just look it at it that the Giants have a significant advantage the teams that have the Giants on their schedule they're also looking at it in a very similar manner bottom line is when you're in that building and you're one of those 53 guys that are playing on Sunday, all you're looking at is the opponent that you're playing. And you don't look at anything else because it, it's it's a week-to-week -week league, right? I mean, things change constantly. Uh, Dak Prescott could go out and that whole team could, you know, it's just never, you never know. So you can't forecast it. You just got to take care of business. And right now, the Giants' business is a bye week. What is What is their business? Corrections and health. Those are the things that these guys are working on right now, and it gives a little bit of extra time for the for the coaching staff to put up a, a game plan to put one together to go down to, and, and play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And listen, that, that's not going to be easy. But listen, that, you know they're not undefeated, and and they're 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 beatable. And in fact, I I don't think they're as good as they were last year. So you got a chance. You just got to play well. I mean, to, this team has all the tools to win games. The the good thing about this whole 
on uh, with Thomas being out of the lineup, if there is a good thing, look at the reps that Matt Parrott got in this time. You know, so he yeah. was able to get some really good playing experience to have a kind of have a reserve tackle that can play both sides if one of the other guys gets hurt in a pinch you need him but valuable experience he got by playing when Andrew Thomas was out of the lineup well think about this when you look at the snap counts right from 2020 he only played about 15 percent of the snaps so he didn't benefit like Andrew Thomas which means you know this was almost like the continuation of his rookie year so I absolutely agree with you Jeff I, I don't think that should be overlooked because you needed to get him out on the field. Joe Judge was preaching that even in the early stages of the training camp period. He yeah. was saying, these guys got to play. They're we young. have to see what they can yeah. do. And now you look at Matt Parrott. He's up to 55% of the offensive snaps. He's already mm-hmm. logged this season. And you figure that's going to continue. They're going to find ways, I'm sure, to continue to get him on the field. Or you know, maybe they give him some work at right tackle when Andrew Thomas comes back. So absolutely, that is a huge advantage that they've been able to get him out there. They've been able to collect some film, have him be tested against mm-hmm. some of the premier pass rushers in the NFL because if you didn't get that, it would be the game of speculation, right? Well, maybe he could do this. Maybe is not going to give you any conclusion as to whether or not you could utilize him moving forward. 100%. I mean, there's no substitute for experience in this league. Um, you, you take whatever you can get, and then uh, you compete. And, you know, if you want a starting job, you're going to have to play better than the other guy. But if, but if you're getting experience at the same time, it just helps you. Helps you, helps the team, helps the uh, coaches have confidence that if I have to put you in, I know you've got some starting experience. So, you know, that's the one thing that we talk about a lot is when, when we're kind of scouting another team and, a, a new new player comes into a position and you say, well, he's never started a game in the NFL. Well, instantly you think he's going to be really bad. You know, so you can no longer say that with some of these guys now with the Giants because they're getting a lot of experience, starting experience, uh, because of the injuries. And so if you want to take something good out of injuries, it's it's getting experience for the guys that really aren't starters. And that's a good thing. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here. Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's open up the phones. Marco is in Connecticut. He gets us going. What's happening, Marco? Hi, Marco. Hey, Jeff and Lance. I hope you're both doing well. Doing good. Thank Thanks you. Same to you. Yep. Um, thank you. Um, I got two points, and then I'll, I'll hop off, and I'll let you guys address them. Sure. Um, one is from yesterday's show. Uh, and then the other one is about just the overall team. Yesterday's show, I'm not sure if you guys listened, but right at the end, um, Paul and John were talking about just the team and the remaining schedule. And Paul made a comment about about Dallas that I even if, I've listened to Paul for years, going back with you guys. And even this, I was like, Paul, are you serious? Like, do you seriously believe that? He he said yesterday that he really thinks Dallas is a fake good team and they showed their true colors on Sunday. And I, I would love for him to have elaborated on that because when I'm listening to that and I am the biggest Giants fan, like, like everyone else who calls it, but honestly, you, you can't watch Dallas and say they're a fake good team. Like to me, and I, I, I basically I'm, I would like you guys to break down Dallas and tell me if you're in agreement, if you are, I, Hey, I respect it. But, uh, when I see Dallas, I see a very, very complete team. And if you're going to point to maybe the defense as a weakness, uh, I think they're they're playing really well under the coordinator. They have 
just talent all over the roster. I don't know. So that's that's the first question. Um, second point is Jeff. I wanted to ask you or even Howard this question, being former players. Um, a lot has been brought up about you know like it takes teams a few weeks to adjust to the regular season. Um, teams aren't practicing like they used to, and I get all that. I'm I just like wonder with the Giants. Why why did it take so long for them to adjust, being that, you know, or no, like, let me ask you as a former player, is there anything to that, or is there, or, or should we have expected a little more familiarity with them? Because now it looks like the, the, the defense has kind of turned over, and they are, like, responding to how they played last year, but it's taken them six, seven weeks to kind of come full tune, so... Do you think there's anything to that? Those are my two two points to you guys. Thanks, well, guys. Yeah, I right, appreciate the vocal. Th- thank Marco. you. Uh, I'll go, Lance. Um, sure. Listen, I, I, I have, uh, I've known Jason Garrett a long time. We were teammates, believe it or not, <laughs> back in '03. <laughs> um, Don't date yourself. On yeah. <laughs> and and I see him all the time. And I actually got to see him this last weekend. And I was asking him a few questions, and he brought up a point that is kind of a little bit relative to what you're asking, is. Um, and I was just kind of beating around the bush with him a little bit, and, and he told me that he is a he's a big believer in the off season, okay, and how teams prepare, and how guys where you know it takes time, and that today's world in the National Football League, you just don't get that much time anymore with players on the field and things like that. So does it make a difference? I'm only saying it does because I heard it from Jason Garrett, okay. So and I believe that. You know, when you talk about how things kind of you catch up, you you these injuries. There's starters that come and go. Then you got younger guys that come in, that come in and replace those guys. So it takes a little bit of you know kind of working through that change, if you will. Uh, and then you you saw that slowly on defense. You got guys getting beat up. You got guys going out getting hurt. I mean, Peppers gets hurt. Obviously, you get uh, Blake Martinez is out of the lineup. You get you know Carter and Zimenez. I mean, these guys are kind of constantly here and there. So I think that if you collectively have it together in the off season, where you're able to really install a bunch of stuff, that you got a better chance. And I think that does make a difference. And now, how why does it take so long? It's just because it's continuity. It's guys getting to know and understand playing next to the to the guy what his tendencies are. And you know, a lot of guys you just you don't you have to communicate on the field, but they kind of when you play next to them for a long time, you kind of get to know them really, really well. You don't have to talk to them. So I think that's a big deal. I really do. Yeah, and especially when you have some new personnel, I would say the offseason is probably even more important than 100%. a team right bringing back a bulk of the roster because not only would you maybe implement a new scheme, especially if you have a new coaching staff, but you're also trying to get a bunch of new players on the same page. So it really, I think, varies from roster to roster depending on the makeup of your team. Yes. But I'm sure there's a lot of guys, they'll go back and they'll tell – you about some of the off-season meetings they had or maybe some of even the workouts they did, Jeff, after practice. And, you know, that benefited them week five of the NFL season when they ran some routes that they then tapped into. Well, I'll give you an idea how things, you know, you're only allowed to be with your coaches for so long. You're only allowed to be on the field for so long. Yeah. And, and Okay, so these are all regulated now. You know, years ago, it wasn't like this. And and remember, this is an even playing field. This is not just the Giants. Every team has these rules, so we have to throw everybody in this category. But I'll give you an example of how things can work outside the building 
is that I heard when the Giants were going to go down to New Orleans. We all know that that's a very difficult place to play. And if you remember, the New Orleans Saints were just – they were opening up their season in that building because of what happened with the hurricane. They were coming back. The team knew that it was going to be very, very loud. The offensive linemen got together themselves on the side and had some extra preparation to be able to understand when you're in that game how we're going to operate. And that's that's just start of – that's just kind of – that's smart. I mean, you need more of that. So – I think that that's a way to answer what you were saying, Lance, is that how guys can actually do things on their own to better themselves on the field without the coaches. That's just, that's just leadership. That's somebody saying in that, in that position room, guys, we, we're going to have to get together and do this. We don't have enough time in the day. This is going to be difficult, and we're going to be jumping off sides left and right if we don't. And they certainly they had no penalties that game, so it was good. And they ultimately were able to rally and beat the Saints in that contest as yeah. well. As far as the first comment that Marco had brought up, mm-hmm. I did not hear Paul say that on yesterday's show. I didn't listen I to did yesterday's not show. I'm yep. assuming you're in the same boat, Jeff. Okay. Yep. Do I believe that Paul said that? Absolutely. Knowing some of the <laughs> things he said previously? No, that would not <laughs> stun me. I mean, Paul also, I believe I was on a show the other week where he said the Cowboys stole the game from the Vikings. And I sort of bit my tongue and I didn't respond to that because you could argue, well, every team that wins by three or four points stole a game. That's NFL football, right? There's a bunch (laughs) of games. They come down to the wire and they're all decided. I think what happens, and Jeff, this goes back to what I was alluding to earlier with the upsets that happened in Week 9. A lot of NFL analysis, and I'll throw Paul into this. Once again, I didn't hear his exact comments, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if we're just using the generic principle. It's a lot of over-analysis because it's such a week-to-week league, Jeff. So when you see a team win six straight and then they have a bad loss, you all of a sudden throw the six previous games right out the window. So if you're going to apply that logic to Dallas, then you'd have to apply that logic to the Buffalo Bills. And you would have to say, well, the Buffalo Bills are not who we thought they were. The Buffalo Bills are not a contender in the AFC. And who exactly is saying that? They had a bad game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen turned the ball over twice. He was sacked four times. Dallas had a rough go against Denver. Dak, it was his first game back after a a, a long period of time off because, remember, he got hurt at the end of the Patriots game. He didn't play against the Vikings. Cooper Rush took over. And they were out of sync. You had Amari Cooper dropping passes. You had the defense giving up some explosive plays. Same thing with Buffalo I saw with Dallas. You saw out-of-character things. Bad game. I would toss it up as a bad game unless it becomes a trend, Jeff, Mm -hmm. where you see a team have this rough go for three or four. I don't see how you can remove the resume prior to this and all of a sudden say that the team was fake or they were (laughs) acting previously. I, I know you are not going to agree with me on this because I've heard you say this, but I, it, 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 is, it does factor into this. This overconfidence when you go up against a team, and it's going to, it's going to be hopefully you kind of the Giants kind of get this on the flip side of it where they're going to go down in the second half of the season, and you had mentioned about the records and all that kind of stuff. There's going to be teams that are going to be overconfident that they're going to beat the Giants because they're, of their record. Trust me. Look at these two teams that just beat the Cowboys and the Bills. I mean – those the Cowboys and the Bills were definitely overconfident that they were gonna they could beat these teams. There's no question in my mind. And then it just a pile on effect. Before you know it, guys are waking up going, Oh my god, I forgot. I'm actually in the National Football League and these are real good players and anybody can win on any Sunday and before you know it, if you're Dallas, you're down thirty nothing. So I would not agree that this you know, this team and so I mean, even Mike McCarthy's probably sitting there going, Oh, hey, listen, you know, 
Vic Fangio is now, those guys, they found the blueprint now, how to beat the Dallas Cowboys. We're in big trouble. I don't think so. That's a, that's a good team there. That's a very good football team, and I wouldn't underestimate them at all. Yeah, I mean, statistically, <laughs> you're talking about one of the best offenses in football. They also, they've been without Tyron Smith at left tackle. So, you know, that obviously changes the dynamics yeah. of the offensive line a little bit. And you know, the defense, I think, has turned the corner with Dan Quinn. They had an out-of-character game where they gave up 30 points. They had not been doing that previously. They've been keeping opponents pretty much in the 20s. And you saw what they did against the New York Giants. I know the Giants were dealing with a lot of injuries in the second half of that game. But, no, I, I don't overreact to one loss. I just I, I don't think that's the proper perspective to have. And I was actually bringing this up, Jeff, last night, and I'm curious your perspective when I was on Sirius XM NFL Radio after the, the Bears-Steelers game. And the parallel that I was building to the overreaction to Buffalo and Dallas was, remember the Tampa Bay Buccaneers early last season? Remember they got beat up by the Saints in week one? Tom Brady threw a pick six. They had that Bears game on Thursday night where right, Brady right, forgot yeah. what down it was, remember? Yeah, and yeah. that was an ugly game. They barely scored many points. They had the Chiefs game right before the bye. They lost that game. And then they had the late bye. They won four straight. They entered the playoffs, and the rest is history. My point is, if you were to have a conversation and then even go back to the game they played the Giants, right, at MetLife Stadium, that was a highly contested game that, remember, the two-point conversion and Tampa Bay held on. So when people were watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this time last year, how many people were thinking they're getting to a Super Bowl and they're also going to absolutely dominate the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> right? How many people so. were saying that, Jeff? None. None. Exactly. And None. then what happened? So my point is... I've seen teams that are very talented, that don't click, that have some bad games, hiccups, and then all of a sudden they get a late buy or they get guys back returning to full health, and all of a sudden everything clicks. So that's another reason why overreacting to a Bills and a Cowboys loss in Week 9 is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's just a – and I, you, we've seen it before with the Cowboys when they get a little bit of success. This sim seems to happen to them, right? I don't know if it's their fan base thinks that, you know, that these guys are listening in the car and the radio and TV about how good they are. But, you know, they are a good football team, but they just have to play like that, and they're going to have a down day. So, I mean, it just happens, and that's why – Listen, when you go, nobody goes undefeated in this league. So you're going to have one of those days, and you just hope you don't have you know, eight or nine of them. That's yeah, you <laughs> hope they don't stockpile. Correct. Exactly. Yes, because that's when you get in trouble. Well, yeah. and also, from Dallas's perspective, if you just you look at the makeup of the NFC East right now, and I think we were getting a little bit into this conversation last week mm -hmm. when Dallas had won six in a row, but you know, even with their loss right now, they are still, Jeff, four games up in the loss column over the Eagles, the Giants, and Washington. They won six games in a row. That should tell you something. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, that's not easy to do, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that just we would, would, we love the, would we love the Cowboys to, you know, if they're all of a sudden just take a nosedive? Absolutely. And the Giants turn it around and make this NFC East a little bit more competitive. But, you know, when you think about it, these guys are kind of on cruise control, you know. Well, I think barring a major injury or setback, yeah. I think it's going to be very difficult for anybody to overcome that type of a deficit. You know, it's one thing to say if you're within two games, when you're four back in the loss column, a lot has to happen, meaning one team's got to go on a serious skid and another team has to get extremely hot. 
So I think if the NFC East is going to have two representatives, in all likelihood, it's going to be a wild card team of those three that we're talking about, the Giants, the Eagles, and Washington, as opposed to one of them surpassing the Cowboys for the division. Once again, barring injuries, of course, because you were even talking about, right, Dak gets hurt, right, all bets are off, Jeff, or somebody else goes down. Yeah, and the thing about it is I got to believe that eight or nine is going to be your number. Um, so you could just do the math. If the Giants need to be anywhere in that conversation, sitting here at three wins, um, you know, you got a lot of you got a lot of work to do if you're going to get to eight or nine. I think that, yeah, I mean, it just depends on the rest of the league. But I think nine sure. probably gets you in. I think um, nine makes you feel good that you yeah. have a chance. Yeah, that's right. Eight and you're talking be... about a wild card, right? Just for yeah. clarification, Jeff. No, hundred percent. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that Dallas will run away with it, and I think that yeah. So I think that if there is going to be a wild card team that comes out of the NFC East, it's going to have to be like like you just said. I feel I feel like I got a chance at nine. Uh, at eight, I might just be waiting for someone to lose and with a back end kind of scenario. But um, you know, so any of those NFC teams that are not the Dallas Cowboys have a long ways to go. So. Well, if you apply that to the Giants, Jeff, so they're 3-6 and six right now. They have eight games left. That means that minimum, we're talking 6-2 and two in all likelihood to get yourself in a position where you can knock on the door of a wild card. So you got to win six of your eight games yeah. on the back end of the season. Twice as many as they've already Correct. had now. Exactly. So, um, yeah. let's, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit and just kind of concentrate on Monday night. And by the way, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, this is another rare occurrence for, for us who cover football on Sundays is that if you remember um, the Monday night game against the Chiefs, we got to watch football on Sunday. Okay. Um, we, didn't do it, we didn't get a chance to do it this Sunday, but now we're going to have it coming up, and we're also going to have it next, uh, the following week yeah, because it's a Monday Sundays. night game. Correct. So we're actually yes. going to get three Sundays in a season, Lance. To be able to watch some football from, you know, if you're a Red Zone fan like I am, I love to watch the Red Zone. I'll just sit there and park my butt on that couch for the whole day. (laughs) Uh, I get three of those this year. I'm pretty excited, you know. (laughs) Lazy Sunday for me. Well, especially in they're coming all at the same time, which is also rare. You know, normally sometimes they're spaced out over the course of the season. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and sometimes when there's a Sunday night game, also you can enjoy mm-hmm. that. But the Giants bit. don't have any Sunday yeah, night games. Exactly. So that's and another one. Unfortunately, yeah. if that was like a month earlier and we got those three Sundays, I promise you I wouldn't be watching football. I would be on the golf course. But see it's now getting <laughs> it's, it's now it's getting a little too cold for me to play yeah, golf. Right. So that's now you don't happen. have a choice. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah. just watch football or do nothing essentially. So <laughs> <That's> yes. <right. laughs> Anyways. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Let's reopen up the phone lines. We check in with Mike in Brooklyn joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Mike? Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. I got the A team today. How you guys doing? We're doing good. We're Thank doing you. right, Mike. Thanks for what the compliment. I think the phrase that um, Paul used was "Dallas was a fraud." Um, okay. that, yeah, I was. I was kind of. Sh- it kind of shocked me yesterday. You know, every every team had lays an egg at least once a, once sure. a season. And, um, you know, Dak Prescott didn't have his when – I, when I was watching it, I was also – I'm also a red zone freak, uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the stats come up and Dak was like 4 for 11 and, uh, you know, Zeke, um, they got behind. So Zeke wasn't – he was very effective at the, at the beginning of the game, but they had to kind of, you know, take yeah, him out of the Yeah, they couldn't run the ball plan. because of the yeah. lopsided affair. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, Denver – Top one of the top defenses in the league. I, I wasn't shocked, you know. Um, yeah. The other thing I was—I you know, called about special teams. On 
they had uh, – I mean, the Giants played one of the best special teams games uh, of the year. Uh, you had um, Riley Dixon play exceptionally well. He had three punts, averaged a little under 49 yards, and all three were inside the 20. Nice. I know, Jeff, you like to you like to get inside the 10. But right. right now – I'll take it inside the 20. Going, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll take the 22, right? Yeah, good for and, him. Uh, and Gano is uh, – you know, he's phenomenal um, – and uh, Cooper, I was I was happy with what uh, you know. Even if he he returns kicks and punts, um, you know he had a, he had a good average on the punt returns. I think he averaged like 13 yards of a punt return. He right. did. Um, so yeah. I, I was happy with that, and I was happy with the coverage teams. I thought they did a, a solid job in in a game where we needed to have at least two out of the three phases play really well, or we weren't going to win. Yeah. And they forced a missed field goal, if you want to count that. I mean, well, but I, I don't know how much they forced Carlson to miss that chance. I think you're giving out too yeah, much credit, know, to be honest. That's what I, I meant. I was, I was tongue-in-cheek there, yeah. But, I mean, but no, I boy, you. those yeah. guys, you know, NFL kickers, they don't miss much. They don't miss many like that. I mean, that's a 99% make right there. Because um, that was just basically an extra point like the old 100%. days. 100%. Yeah. And so, I mean, that just going on statistics alone, you know that – you know that's why they moved the thing back because the guys were too good to. to yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have moved it back. Yeah, some of the right. Guys still having trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but overall, I think Mike, your point is well taken. It was a very nice performance by the special teams. You remember they also had the and Jeff, you could give credit to this one. They forced the fumble on Hunter Renfro. They didn't recover it, but the special teams unit was certainly responsible yeah. for that. So yep. yeah, they did not give gifts to the Raiders, even though granted the Raiders did a good job moving the football. Remember, they had over four hundred total yards of offense. They just they couldn't finish in the red zone. They were one for six, but they at least they made the Raiders have to march down the field as opposed to giving Derek Carr the ball deep in Giants territory or deep in their own territory and cutting off half the field. I thought that was important. They did have one penalty that I didn't like, um, and that was the roughing punt, roughing the punter penalty. Um, you know, the, the legal block. Cole yeah, just was laid absolutely. out yeah, by Keon Crossing. Crossing. Yeah. Yes. yeah, so, I mean, and, and again, I was trying to explain – of all people, me trying to defend the guy. <laughs> but, you know, because it was just I was I, I know that a lot of times those guys that are running down the field that, you know, the returner is in back of them. So you don't know. But Lance had indicated that that whistle had blown and then he blew him up. So that's definitely a foul. Um, we're up in the press box. It's quiet up there. You can't hear anything. Um, so, you know, again, if the, if the whistle had not blown, then that's that you can you can hit that guy. I, trust me, I remember. You you do not want to get caught up in a football game, I call it. When you're a punter, you just stay back. Don't get back up in there and and be, and get caught up in there because you know what, you're fair game and I, if you if you like to get hit, then go ahead, but you know, it's kind of funny. He sat there and he laid on the ground till everybody came over there. You know, and basically when somebody told him that there was a penalty, he jumped up and ran off the field. <laughs> it was a miracle. It was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A.J. Cole rose from the dead. It yeah, he certainly did. Yes. I thought they were bringing out the cart and everything. And next thing you know, he's doing a, you know, a 40-yard dash from back to the sideline. You know what, Jeff? It's funny because I remember at that time I was looking through my depth chart. I was like, who's going to punt if A.J. Oh, Cole that's what everybody always game? does. Yeah. That was the first thing that went into my mind. And then he popped back up. I was like, yeah. okay, well, I can stop searching. Yes. Yeah. Well, every team has to understand that. I mean, one of your kickers or punters gets hurt. There's usually, you know, who is the backup? I mean, we the kickers usually back each other up, but 
Um, I don't know if you remember the other. I think it was, might have been last week or the week before, where the where Boswell got hit for Correct. the the Pittsburgh Steelers and. Um, the punter for them, who'd never kicked off or done anything before, he had to come in and, and at least kick off. And then they went for two every time, well, remember? And Mike Tomlin always goes for two anyway. So, <laughs> so that didn't matter. He was yeah. in comfortable zone That's from right. that standpoint. Anyways, yes. yeah. all right. Well, Mike, listen, we appreciate the phone call. Thank Thanks you, so Mike. for weighing in. Let's uh, head back to the lines. Let's check in with Marcus in Arizona. Marcus, what's happening? Hey, how you doing? doing all right, Marcus. What Good you got morning for, for you. Yeah, you know it's premium uh golfing weather out here of course i do absolutely is all the all the ryegrass coming in now i know you guys you know have the green they overseed everything so probably looking good by now uh it's looking beautiful man dinosaur mountain and pine and palm out here is great anyways so everybody should be back healthy after the bye right and we're in a nine game season now right well an eight game season they've played nine already Eight games? Oh, yeah, eight games. Yeah. So we're on an eight-game season, right? We're pretty much tied with everybody for a wild card. Don't want to talk playoffs, but in all honesty, everybody's healthy, eight-game season. Second question or comment, I just want to have comments today. Um, Daniel <laughs> okay. Jones, man, I love this kid, man. This guy does not flinch. He goes out there and works with whoever is out there with him. He's not flashy. He's not Rodgers or Mahomes, but he doesn't flinch. I would like to see us build a really good team around him and pick up his fifth-year option before anybody makes any kind of decision on him and give him a legitimate shot. What are the uh, chances you guys think of that is going to happen? I'm not talking free agency because it seems like we're about to have 2016 all over again. But I just wanted your guys' thought about like what we could do to build an ultimate team around him. And I'm not talking like Tampa Bay, but just – ultimate Giants team around him and give him a fair shot. And I'll take your guys' response off the air. Sure. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you. Yep. Well, as far as the decision about the fifth-year option, you know, that normally comes in the spring. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that's imminent even right after the season. And the Giants will evaluate what they're going to do this offseason well before they have to make a decision from that standpoint because he was a 2019 draft pick, Jeff. So this will be his third completed season. And then he'll be entering year four in 2022. Year five would be 2023. And normally the fifth-year option gets picked up prior to the start of the fourth year. Normally around like May, I want to say, is around the calendar. Mm -hmm. So they have some time even after the season before they have to make a decision from that standpoint. As far as building the team around him, I mean, I think, Jeff, that's what they've been trying to do. Exactly, (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely doing it, and I think that, you know, you look at the first two round uh, rounders that they have next year coming up, I think that's a great opportunity to build some things around him, maybe get another offensive lineman, they have a pass rusher in there, because, um, you know, when you think about what they have been doing, they, they went out and spent some money in free agency offensively, you know, with Galladay and Rudolph, and um, so, I mean, there's some, they, they definitely are trying, and I think that what what's what you got to look at now is how – how is Daniel Jones responding to 2021 and 2022? You know, so how is that growth? How what has he done to, to for the team to look at him going forward? And I think he's doing everything that they've asked him to do, um, with a you know with really with a limited limited personnel on a daily basis. So um, I'm interested to see how, and I'm sure the team is too, Lance, that if this team shows up two weeks from now at pretty much full strength 
And now let's see how Daniel Jones can can progress because we've seen what he's done with a limited roster uh, with injuries and things like that. Now let's see him with the full complement and see how he can react and go from there. Yeah, and that was a big talking point this offseason. Now that you bolstered the talent pool around him, what he can do, and then the problem is, unfortunately, you know, guys got hurt left and right. It's still a very small sample size. I mean, granted, he had a lot of the guys around him in the Denver game, and the Broncos' defense pretty much set the tone. But after the Denver game, once again, you didn't really see much of anything. So if everybody returns to full health, yeah, it'll be interesting to see maybe a six- or seven-game sample size of what right. Daniel Jones and the overall offense could do when they have most of their weapons at their disposal. All right, sure. let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. We got Len in Columbia, Maryland. What's happening, Len? Hello, Len. Hey, guys. Hey, Hello. guys. Good to see you. Um, the other day. Nothing wrong with a win. Nothing wrong with a win. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, that, that was nice. It's um, it was, you know, good to see them win the game, particularly you know, you know the way it ended. Uh, just I mean, it was so sudden. You know, you're sitting there and you're thinking – Oh boy! You know, here comes here comes Las Vegas, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna tie this up. They're moving the ball. They're gonna tie it up, and and all of a sudden, there's just that strip sack, and Big Leonard jumps on the ball. Boy, I, that's that's just a great way to end. Good the game. to see, right? I mean, we've been waiting for that. You really have been waiting for that for a long time to end a game and someone to make a play like that. Isn't isn't that the truth, Jeff? I mean, it really is. I was thinking. I I was trying to remember. The, you know, the last time I think we beat the Bears three three years ago at the stadium, and I think it was Janoris Jenkins jumped up in the air and knocked the pass a fourth down pass away, and yeah, you know, we get the win. But it's they've been few and far between that way. And then, geez, is there anything more sudden than a, than an interception? Sudden <laughs> change. Especially one that goes, especially one that comes all the way back to the house. I mean, that that's just that's just really nice. So it was a good win. Um, hey, hey, a couple of players. You know, I mentioned Williams. He he's just having a terrific season. Yeah, he's really come on. It's oh, man. It's probably unnoticed around the league. Um, I don't know what it all means. Uh, what all the experts are going to be saying about Leonard Williams and his contract? But I, I just think the guy is having a just having a terrific year. No, he is. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, I don't think it's going unnoticed. I think coming into every game, you're going to have to pay attention to, you know, to him. So, and it's just a matter of him really, really taking over a game. And that's what you kind of want because, yeah, you know, yeah. if, if you have to. You know, you want, he, he does see, he, I don't know, maybe it's my imagination. I need to go back and check this, but he, he does seem to have big fourth quarters. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that about him. Um, you know, thinking back to the last game of the season last year when he got that big sack against Dallas in the last few minutes, and he does seem to excel at, at the end. A, cu a couple of other players, I, you know, I just, I just really like Galladay. He just, you know, guys, when he catches the ball, you just sense something really good is going to happen. Mm -hmm. First of all, he caught the ball, but the the guy just, he, he just. He, it looks like he's, uh, he's. He looks like he's good, and, and he plays <laughs> well, like I he's good. So, considering mean, the money they gave him, there's just <laughs> something about just you know. something something well, about the guy. He's very good at and, making contested catches. That's what that's to right. me stands and out he about Galladay. The ball. Yeah. yeah, when yeah. Daniel Jones throws it into traffic, Galladay is going to give you a chance to come up with it, and not every wide receiver falls under that category. Well, when that knee when that knee heals, I think we're going to see more than that, Lance. I think we're going to see more than that from Galladay. Um, one other player, and he puts me on the edge of my seat. And when I saw Tony in that Wildcat 
formation, it didn't work out for us. But, uh, I mean, I got out of my seat. I stood up. I mean, there's something about Tony. Uh, when he's in the game, when he gets his hands on the ball, you get, you just, you get to the edge of your seat. And those are those are some good things, but uh, you know, let's 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 face it. Um, that that game plan from Sunday is not going to win many games out of these last eight. It's just not. We got to get the ball down the field. Um, I well, you had you, you had know, some you had some really good rushes. We're, we're acting like everything is going to get better. You know, we're going to get those guys back. The potential is there. Are, are they going to call downfield plays? Are we going to throw four? Four passes to wide receivers uh, going into those warm-weather sites. We go to Florida twice. We're going to have fast tracks. We go to Southern California. Next four weeks, we go to Southern California. Uh, we go to Florida for two games, and we got the Eagles Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully, it's good weather. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be there. We just got to call the plays. Get the ball down the field. I mean, well, we it just... depends on the matchups, Len. I think, you know, you can't really generalize because this Raiders team had Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, and they figured yep. that Daniel Jones just wasn't going to have enough time to drop back and that offensive line give him enough time for him to get down the field. So I think some of these matchups, to answer your question, I do think they'll have a better read on being able to protect Daniel Jones. But you look at the Tampa Bay matchup, they got a lot of strong firepower up front. The Chargers are going to have Joey Bosa. Oh Dallas is oh probably going to have Demarcus Lawrence yeah. back by yeah. week 15. So, you know, once yeah. again, it's going to vary week to week. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, here, here's another one. Off, off the, I will admit off the top of my head, and I've mentioned it once before on the show, I, I think we play better against 4-3 teams than we play against 3-4 teams. There's something about that big nose tackle in the middle that seems to give us an awful lot of trouble. And Tampa Bay's got one. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay's got one of those guys. By the yeah, way, that, that Crosby guy, that, that, that Crosby guy, He's really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that guy is really good. All right. So, hey, listen, great win. Thank you, Len. Great win. And, you know, the only, thing, the only thing wrong with waiting for – the only thing wrong with Monday night games, you, you got to wait. Oh, my goodness. Hey, it's a long way to Monday night from the previous Sunday, and you got to wait through that weekend. and Oh, all day Monday. Oh, my goodness. But when it comes, there's nothing better than Monday night football. That's just that's, – it's just – it's been great since the outset, 1970. Uh, I look forward to it every week. I just love Monday Night Football. All right, let's go, Giants. Hey, thanks for taking my call, yep. guys. Thanks yep. for the phone right. call. Appreciate enjoy, it. Enjoy the wait. You got a long one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> got an extra long wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no doubt about it. Really yeah. long. It's, well, uh, you were going over the whole benefit oh. of having two straight Sundays, my Jeff, goodness. in terms yeah. of consuming football. So I Unreal. think you pretty much uh, gave the entire breakdown. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Joe is in Virginia. Joe, what's happening? Hi, Joe. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, Doing right, Joe. Big big fan of yours. uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I actually live in Richmond, Virginia, but I still have my season pass for the Giants, and I do drive up every home game still. Well, you had a good trip back this week, so good. Yeah, and and this year, to tell you the truth, because I I waited 33 years to get the pass, finally, to get get a ticket for the Giants. And, um, you know, it's nice to come home with a win because – I hadn't had one since in four years, I think. <laughs> Remember, I win at home. Yeah. Um, my my question to you guys is, is mostly is, um, is Saquon Barkley is is what's the story here? We're in the fourth year of him, and we still have not really seen him play. 
I mean, we saw him his rookie year. Um, I understand things happen. He stepped on somebody's foot and twists his ankle and things like that. But I'm just, you know, he's not a Camara. He's not. He's not a Dark Henry. Um, so I'm. I'm just curious if, if what are we going to do? I mean, he seems to be very um, gun shy, and he also seems to be, um, you know, not as better good as he used to be. Well, what do you mean um, when you say "what are we going to do"? What, what are you referring to? Well, no, I, not not what. What are we going to do? What, I mean, what what is is the Giants going to pursue? I know they got Derek Booker, but again, he's not a Camara or he's not a Derek Henry. Um, you think the Giants should start looking for a running back now? Or um, now, I like the guy they had last year. Gallman was pretty good. I thought Gallman was was an excellent runner. Yeah, very um, good. Sorry, all. <laughs> Well, I think you, I, I think you got to I think you got to let you know Saquon get healthy and you know you get the rest of the season to go and see what he can do. I mean that's uh, yeah. I think the biggest question is is that option right? I mean you're going to have to figure out what you want to do with it and but he's got another year left so before yeah. you got to well, figure out. Well, I mean it was already that, picked so. up. You're talking yeah. about because yeah. Jeff, yeah. remember he was a 2018. No, my point is pick. they exactly yeah. that's so you got you got you got him. He's here. So what right. are you going to do? You know, and I that, mean, and that was why I posed that question back to Joe because the Giants essentially already made a decision. He's under contract. He's on the books. Right. I think you know. What, what Joe, you're bringing up is do they need to go out and find another running back? Well, if Devontae Booker stays healthy, why can't you just bring back Devontae Booker? And why can't you make sure that he's the insurance policy again for Saquon Barkley? I think you could be fine with those two guys. I don't think there's any issues there. I, I, guess, I, I understand. We, yeah. He might even be on a two-year deal. Correct. Booker. Yeah, but the, so the point is you don't have to – what do you have to do? You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You keep the running backs yeah. as is. Why, why, why yeah. do you have to even do anything? Very true. I got one more question for you. Uh, in the past, as you guys I know remember, the Giants have never, ever been a favorite, especially in the playoffs, uh, especially 2011. Um, they always were predicted. I mean, guys used to make jokes that, oh, Giants are playing, um, you know, against the Green Bay Packers. They're going to get whomped. They're going to get killed. Um, you know, then it was, uh, you know, the Giants can play in the cold, and that's why they're going to have their wins. You know, it's a bunch of – it doesn't matter any doesn't matter at all about what the weather is. These guys all have to play in the same thing. They all do the same practice. And so, um, as far as the weather, I think the Giants are coming back for the second half this year. I, and I do have faith in them. Um, I see them at the stadium. Um, of course, it looks a lot different in person than it does on television. But, um, you know, I, I see the passion in their eyes when they come running down towards me, you know, in the field. It's, it's I think they're, they're really – want to win this game coming up. All right, Joe. Well, Thank you, we'll Joe. leave it at that and yeah. appreciate the phone call. Listen, if you don't want to compete, you don't want to win football games, you don't deserve in you don't deserve a spot in the NFL. You don't deserve a spot in the roster. So you're in trouble if you can't at least pass that eye test. <laughs> well, listen, this team obviously wants to win games, but you got to you got to be able to to, you know, do what you got to do the right things to win games. And that's, you know, some of the things that we've talked about. You know, it's all this execution and discipline. And look at the way that this team – how many how many penalties this team have last week opposed to the last two weeks? Yeah, so it just goes four. four penalties, okay? And one of them was on special teams. Um, so, I mean, it's it's to the point where if you can understand the play within the rules and, and not make mistakes at crucial times of these games, you've got the roster to compete. And, you know, this league is is very close from top to bottom. It's just a matter of the good ones and the bad ones. They understand how to win football games. And this team has is, is got to get there. 
Um, maybe they took a step forward this last week with the four penalties and understanding critical situational football. And that's what will help this team moving forward, Lance. Um, because when you look at the rest of the schedule, as we can do, and just kind of like, okay, this team here, they got, you got a lot of NFC East teams left to play. There's there's some good chances for some victories on this schedule if you can play like you're supposed to. If you can avoid the turnovers, the mental mistakes, the things that mental mistakes, them my goodness, yeah, in the first nine games of the season overall. Yeah. Because see, to me, Sunday's game was another example of not only did you have the complementary aspect, and what I mean by that is. The defense made the stops, and the offense at least didn't kill them, didn't hurt them, didn't put them in a precarious spot. They got a few field goals. Okay, so that was the complimentary aspect that I'm talking about. But you also, you didn't have the costly penalty late in a game that we've seen more often than not. And when the Giants can be cleaned from that standpoint, then they know, hey, if we could just make a stop, we could close this game out because we're not in the gift-giving situation that they've been in over the last few weeks. So that was another difference that stood out to me, and I think that hits exactly what you're talking about, Jeff, where the volume of the penalties was extremely low compared to where they were in that Kansas City game and even some of their previous contests. Yep, you can't win with penalties. You can't win with turnovers um, unless you get more, you know, more takeaways. Um, but it's really difficult. Which they and, did, by the way, on Sunday. Exactly. There yeah. you go. And by the way, you know, this is this is a difficult game, but when you really look at it, what what causes you to win and lose games, it's a very easy to identify, but it's not as easy to fix them. That's the problem. And you know, so the teams that are that can identify their weaknesses and improve on it have a better chance of winning week to week. It's the teams that just they they just fail to work on the things to help them win. And it's sometimes just the little things. We talk about that all the time. It's sure. just the little things. It's you know this roster has a lot of lot of good players on it, but it's just the little things. The offsides on a field goal when you're lined up right next to the football cost you the game. You know those types of things are just you got to understand from a team and a personal standpoint that I can't do those things if we're going to continue to you know win football games. We can't we can't do that. We'll lose them every week if we continue to make those type those types of mistakes. A few reminders before we wrap up shop here. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football 2021 season now underway, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can also take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. For both of those, you can speak with a Giant suite representative now. Call 888-NYG-1925. Also, on an unrelated note, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York. State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, that is going to wrap up Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be up and running again tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern and then off Thursday and Friday before we return on Monday to get you set for Week 11 as the Giants will visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. Jeff, always enjoy the conversation. I'll speak to you later on this week. Thank you, Lance. You got it. A reminder, thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Stay locked to Giants.com. We'll speak to you on Wednesday. Have a good one.